Welcome to It's Better Here, the official podcast of the Producers Co-op. Whether you are out in the yard, the field, the pasture, or the barn, we have everything you need. It's Better Here. Welcome to the show. That's right. My name is Jason Dias. Her name is? Mandy Joe. Here we are on episode 13. And of course, it's exciting times here in Comal County, Mandy Joe, because we're recording here on the 26th, and a big event starts tomorrow, doesn't it? Yes, it is the Comal County Fair and Rodeo, so everybody's getting excited for that, picking up speed and shavings to get moved in over the weekend and have that show, so a lot going on here, and then Guadalupe County's getting ready to have theirs in a couple weeks, too, so exciting times at the co-op, no doubt. Absolutely, busy times, no doubt, for you, but it's the one time of year that I get to use my big vocabulary word, our annual convivial event here in Comal County, the Comal County Fair, which I've still never attended, but promised I would attend this year. So I will make my way over there um, to have all of that great healthy food that I hear they serve at the Comal County Fair. So I'm looking forward to that. Of course, even though my air conditioner is running 24 hours a day, it seems, it is technically getting into the fall and autumn season. And if you're like my wonderful spouse of 28 years, she feels the need to decorate for autumn and fall, even though it's still rather warm outside, and the co-op can help with that, can't they? Yes, we're excited. The Pumpkin Express is coming back to New Braunfels this week, so probably at the end of this week we'll have, oh, eight or ten totes of fresh pumpkins out of Floyd Davis pulled out of the field that day, so some really cool jack-o'-lantern type pumpkins, and then all the kind of weird, warty, green kind of stuff, so give us a call and look for that stuff coming out soon, too. You'll probably see us over there picking out some stuff for the front porch and just as an aside my dad when i was a kid used to make the best grilled pumpkin seeds and then of course speaking of seeds we've got some great stuff in the stores right now don't we yeah it's that time of year like you said it doesn't really feel or look like it but if it ever cools off and we get a couple sprinkles of rain it's time to start thinking about getting ryegrass and oat seed down so we have that in stock whenever you're ready to do it Uh, we've got jumbo rye, golf annual rye, and then bob and coker oats. Um, also can get wheat seed in and things like that. If you're looking for anything specialty, just give us a call and we'll do what we can to get it ordered for you. Absolutely. That's right. Remember, we've got a great website. We've got a great online magazine, a lot of great things you can do online or over the phone. But, hey, we love seeing you at the stores, don't we, Mandy Joe? Yes, for sure. Come on in. Hey, we got we, the doctor is in today, Mandy Joe. We're bringing the brain power today all the way from West Texas. The doctor, Lonnie Luchek, is going to join us here to talk about the cattle industry, something I know you've got a particular passion for. Yes, this is a big one. I'm super excited. Lonnie and I have been friends for, oh my gosh, probably going on 20 years. We went to school together, so she's the best in the biz, and I'm excited to talk to her about it today. Well, we're going up to West Texas, the beautiful Canyon, Texas, a place that I have been, and we're going to do it all right after this. Jason, reminding you to visit us online, sign up for the newsletter, and follow us on social media. Remember, wherever you are, it's better here. It's wide and high. It's going out to Buffalo country. Hey, Dr. Luchek, thank you so much. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Jason. I appreciate it. Oh, serious. That is our studio audience, all of them presently on academic probation here in Comal County. <laughs> I don't doubt it one First, bit. <laughs> tell us about your career. We, we know you're a, a professor out in 
West Texas with the Buffaloes out at West Texas A&M. But tell us a little bit about your career. How'd you get here? Well, I, I grew up on a small hay farm and, and sheep farm in central Texas in Grandview. And uh, my dad was an ag teacher, and so we grew up in 4-H and FFA, kind of like Mandy Joe mentioned that uh, we were a part of. And uh, I went to a meat judging camp at Tarleton State University and, and thought that that was really cool, and I started meat judging and uh, never really looked back after that. Went to, to Texas Tech for about ten and a half years to get a few degrees and learn a little bit more about the meat industry. And then started my career at West Texas A&M in January of 2020. Pretty exciting time to uh, start a teaching career in academia and, and coach students right before uh, COVID hit. And then uh, we've had a great time the last uh, three and a half years up here in, in West Texas. And I just have a, a great job to, that gets me involved in uh, the cattle industry up here in the panhandle, but also uh, getting to work with students every day and, and teach them a little bit about uh, cattle and meat. Yeah, she said that all very lightly, um, Jason. She's a, <laughs> she's a national champion. She's coach national champions. I'll brag on her more than she will. But getting into it, Lonnie, um, especially on this podcast, we talk a lot about input. Um, obviously, feed is one that we care a lot about. What kind of impact do you think feed has on the final carcass? Man, uh, pretty much everything about the final carcass is uh, directly related to, to what kind of inputs go into that animal's mouth. And so uh, part of my dissertation research was actually looking at grass-fed beef from New Zealand uh, versus grain-fed beef uh, from the United States from a plant in Nebraska. And so uh, not just feed, but, but all kinds of inputs. And so we uh, looked at different uh, feeding types um, and overall, long story short, is that we do a great job here in the U.S. of feeding cattle and providing a, a really high-quality end product to the consumer. And so you can still uh, have a high-quality product no matter um, if it's got some grass-fed in it or, or some grain-fed, but overall we have to feed those cattle to an end composition. And those cattle uh, having at least enough fat in them to grade choice is ultimately our goal as, as cattle feeders. And so getting that, that right feed consumption and the right days on feed um, is really, really important for cattle. So that's what we always talk about in terms of, uh, you know, cattle evaluation is, yeah, they may have a little bit extra back fat on them. Um, they may be a little bit heavier, especially today and, and today's way of feeding cattle. But ultimately, as long as they grade choice, then uh, the payout's going to be pretty uh, pretty positive for the, the producer or the, the feedlot. Um, and then we will also have a really high-quality eating experience. So feed's really important. Uh, days on feed, obviously uh, pretty high right now, as well as uh, the carcass weights are getting bigger in terms of what we see in the plant. Um, so just uh, keep doing what you're doing for the most part. We're, we're doing a great job in terms of having a, a large percentage of our cattle uh, grade prime and choice, more than has ever uh, graded prime and choice in the industry. And so we're just doing a great job providing a high-quality product to the consumer. And I enjoy it because we still have Steak Thursday here in my family, so I'm, I'm really big on the eating end. I don't know a lot about the production end, but I know a lot about the eating end of that. You mentioned this earlier about the meat judging. I, this is one of the most fascinating things that I've discovered doing the podcast with Mandy Joe. Tell, for people that don't do, tell us about the meat judging and what it can do for the young students and the folks that are learning about this great industry. Yeah, meat judging is just a great way to get students excited about 
the meat industry, the ag industry, beef, cattle, pork, um, any of those things. And what it is, is it's just a competitive event. It starts at the 4-H and FFA level, and then we continue it at the college level. And it's basically like a D1 sport at the college level. It is a evaluation of beef, pork, and lamb carcasses for composition, fat, muscle. We obviously want less back fat, more muscle to provide more meat to the consumer. But we want to do that at a really high-quality level. So just like you mentioned, Jason, about eating steak at your Thursday night steak dinner, uh, some of the things that most people look for when they're buying steak is, is marbling and good color. And overall, that relates to how good it tastes and palatability of that product. And so we look for those things and those carcasses and cuts to make them more palatable. And then we uh, compete against other universities. So West Texas A&M is a pretty uh, small university up here in the Panhandle, and we compete against all the big guys, uh, Texas Tech, Texas A&M, uh, Kansas State, Oklahoma State, uh, the Ohio State. Um, so it's pretty exciting that we as West Texas A&M get to compete on a, a large D1 stage in terms of meat judging and see how good we are at, at calling some of these calls like a prime, choice, select, standard, and then uh, evaluating those different carcasses and cuts. And overall, what it provides for the student is not just a way to learn about the meat industry, uh, but just a, a way to kind of learn how to make a decision. They've got a, about 10 to 15 minutes to make a decision and then defend that decision uh, using written reasons. And so uh, they learn communication skills. There's a, anywhere from four to 25 students on each team. And so they learn how to work well in a team, which I think is pretty valuable in today's world because I have talked to a lot of employers that say, you know, I can teach people on the job what they need to know, but I need them to be good people with high uh, morals and, and values and ethics and uh, high moral character. And uh, this teaches those students to, to do that as well. So not just things about the meat industry and about the ag industry, but a lot about soft skills that they're going to need to go and be an, uh, a good employee for uh, hopefully some ag company in the industry, and then also just a good, a good person, a good mother, father, um, husband, spouse, whatever it might be. So that's what we're trying to produce here at WT and in all meat judging programs. It's just really high-quality, hardworking individuals of high moral character that, that will go out and be great representatives of the ag industry. You know, Jason, when she says it's like a D1 competition, she's really not kidding. This collegiate meat judging thing is no joke. Collegiate livestock judging and wool judging. I mean, these kids are, you know, carrying 3.8, 4.0 GPAs and also have 4 a.m. practice every Saturday and spend six days on the road before a contest and have to come back and take a chemistry test. So. It's for sure an athletic feat that these guys are doing in college and winning some national championships and creating some great humans. So I can't talk enough about a program um, that I think everyone should do when they get in college. You also make your best friends. Bonnie, like I said, we've been friends forever, and if it wasn't for me judging, who knows what would have happened. So right, I highly correct. recommend it. Um, Bonnie, every guest we have on here at some point brings up that the ag industry is a passion project. I know, obviously, just talking to you today that you're passionate about it, but what do you think that looks like in the meat industry? Do you think the meat industry has the same thoughts on it being a passion project? Yeah, absolutely. The meat industry is, is not for the faint of heart, and I think that if you ever have walked into a, a packing plant or spend a, a day at the feedlot or 
um, on a, a bee farm or anything like that, you know it's hard work. And uh, so that absolutely requires a lot of passion. It's probably something that was bred into you and a part of your family for a long time. And so that's the, the part that's really exciting that I get to work with is all the students that maybe came from production agriculture or maybe didn't come from production agriculture and still have that passion to provide a, a really uh, high quality product and to uh, learn more about uh, beef cattle or meat or the carcass or the, the final end steak. And so that's the, the great part that I get to see every day that keeps me excited is that all the students have the exact same passion that I do. But um, yeah, it's, it's definitely hard work and people look at us funny whenever we say that we're meat scientists or we're on the meat judging team. And uh, we just got back from a week-long trip in Pennsylvania to uh, compete at the Eastern National Meat Judging Contest, where we ended up second uh, place shortly behind the Kansas State. We were the high-ranking Texas school, and we got to visit with lots of consumers that we interacted with up in, the, up in that area in Pennsylvania and New York and New Jersey. And, man, I am one thankful person that I live in Texas and get to work in this industry because uh, – it's a, a different life up there and, and different types of people, but we were uh, very excited to educate some people about meat and the beef industry when we were up in Pennsylvania. But we are very, very fortunate to be in Texas. We're very blessed uh, to be a part of this industry and to get to work with other passionate individuals. We're visiting with Dr. Lonnie Luchek. She's a professor at West Texas and I'm out in beautiful Canyon, Texas. Go Buffs. I did some research. McDonald's alone serves 75 hamburgers every single second of the day. And I just can't even mm-hmm. believe that about just what it takes, the, the, the amount of meat that has to be produced to keep not just the country fed, but the entire world fed. It's really fascinated me that when I see, you know, a cow out in the field that's going to go to market someday, for people like me who don't know, Tell us about the yield. What actually comes out of the finished, produced, you know, processed carcass in terms of how much, how many hamburgers, how many steaks? Can you give us sort of a ballpark figure? If I were to get a, you know, a a whole cow in here, how long would it feed me? Right. So the the we get this question a lot because we do have a USDA meat inspected facility, a processing plant on campus at WT, and uh, we. We'll do custom harvest for people that maybe have a, a steer or heifer that they want harvested, and then we get them a, a cut sheet, and they get to pick out which cuts and, and things that they want out of that. And so uh, normally for a, kind of an average steer or heifer, you might get back anywhere from about 300 to 500 pounds of, of final product, uh, depending on obviously the, the live weight and things that are going into that. And those products may range from, you know, your normal, you may get about 8 to 10 um, T-bone steaks, or maybe you're looking at a New York strip steak. So it, it all depends on which way you cut it. Um, and then, you know, 20 or so ribeye steaks. And then you also will get some roast and then obviously lots of ground beef. And so that's the great thing is that we don't waste anything. There's lots of uh, little trimmings that then we just grind up and then turn into to ground beef or ground beef patties or hamburger patties. And so uh, the yield of that, that carcass ultimately depends in terms of what you started with, but overall it's, it's um, about half of the, the carcass weight is what you would expect to finally end up in a box or end up in a package in your freezer. And, yeah, it should last you for quite a while, 
Um, usually people uh, kind of stock up on those and then kind of chew through them throughout the year and then come back to us a year later and, and uh, buy, buy some more or get another one harvested. So it's pretty cool to see the, the final end product, but most people end up with steaks out of the, what we call the middle meats, out of the back of the animal. So those support, those support muscles that just sit on the back, so your ribeye and your strip loin and your tenderloin. And then out of the chuck or the shoulder in the round or the hind end of the, the carcass, those are kind of your tougher cuts that usually end up in your steaks, I mean in your roasts and your ground, uh, ground products. Awesome. Bonnie, what do you think now in the next five to ten years, you know, predict the future for me, what do you think the biggest challenges are in the meat industry? Well, there's lots of challenges that uh, we see every day in, in packing plants um, and then, you know, the beef industry as a whole. I think one that we see just day-to-day -day is labor and uh, cost of inputs, whether that be the, the feed, uh, the, the feeder cattle, the, the cattle, um, labor, as well as a, a cost. And so just the increase in cost and, and pressure of, of cost and prices that we're going to see, especially as cattle numbers, um, are decreasing right now. Uh, that's obviously not anything that we're um, not aware of, and we know that this happens every you know seven to ten years. We kind of have the cattle cycle uh, that goes up and down, and so as uh, numbers go down, prices will go up, and so we expect that. We know that, um, but consumers are going to have to uh, make that decision, that conscious decision, especially for the beef industry to buy. Uh, that higher quality, more expensive product versus a, a lower, um, lower price product. Um, so price and labor, obviously where we are in the Texas Panhandle, um, we're going through a, a long line of years of drought, and so water is always uh, something that I think about and keep in mind whenever I'm thinking about um, the sustainability of our product and, and how that we've got to make sure that we don't uh, abuse any kind of um, water that we we potentially could get, so we need to pray for rain. And um, but yeah, lots of those issues in academia. What I see uh, for students is that a lot of the students uh, that come from ranches and farms may not be wanting to go back to those ranches or farms. And so ultimately, that that worries me a little bit that those may just get sold and subdivided in in those uh, areas that are raising. Uh, maybe it's hay, feedstuffs, cattle um, may not come back to us. And so those are some of the few industry challenges that I see for the future. Well, well said. Uh, one of the things I wanted to ask about, there's always a lot of stuff. In fact, I think I saw it advertised for one of the main hamburger chains last year during the NFL season for like the veggie burger. You know, there's a lot of meat alternatives out there. I was at a public school teachers had a poster in a classroom that said cows are people too. Now, I'm not a biologist or a cattle rancher, but I've never really confused a cow for a person. And I know there's a local <laughs> vocal minority of, of people out there that don't want us eating meat, have some issues with the ranching industry. What have, what have the meat alternatives and some of these other things, have they affected demand in a profound way that you can tell? I am, am not concerned about meat alternatives. I think choices are, are okay and they're important for those people that require them. Um, but what was really comforting to me as a meat scientist is whenever 
COVID hit and uh, everybody was completely cleaning the shelves of all the grocery stores. There was lots of pictures circulating uh, with lots of meat alternative type burgers and, and products that were still on the shelves because nobody wanted to go purchase those products. So that made me feel really good about uh, where we are in the meat industry and, and the, the, the real meat industry and beef cattle industry because even whenever times were tough and there was no food on the shelves, people still weren't buying that stuff. And so um, I think we've seen also, you know, those, uh, the industry not really backing those, those products anymore and, and the stocks are kind of falling. And so I'm not, not too concerned about that. Uh, it's pretty hard to make muscle uh, that contracts without the proteins and, and that muscle ever contracting. And so I'm also not worried too much about, you know, lab-grown meat or anything like that uh, taking over anytime soon in terms of our, uh, you know, high-quality fresh beef steaks that we are um, accustomed to eating. So it's good to have those opportunities to uh, to grow and learn new things about meat products and things that can help those consumers that do make those choices. Um, but ultimately, I'm, I'm not too concerned about that overtaking our industry anytime soon. I'm glad to hear it because the thought of stepping <laughs> up to the restaurant and ordering a lab-grown hamburger doesn't really sound all that appetizing to me. Before we let you get out of uh, yeah. here, I love kind of a fun question when we have a guest, especially when we're doing a live show like this. Um, but if you had not gone into agriculture the way you did. Is there another career choice that you ever considered? Um, I always said I would be a, a travel agent, which I don't even know if that's a real job anymore. Um, <laughs> but I love to travel. I love to experience new things. Um, I always thought as a student I would be a, a math teacher. So I just love to teach um, and love to interact with students, love to travel and learn new things. And luckily I get to do all of those things in my current career right now. And uh, so I get the best of best of both worlds. So I appreciate that question, though. Well, that's that's great to hear because you're talking to somebody that has to whip out the calculator when he adds up his Yahtzee score. I am absolutely terrible when it comes to math. I'm not exaggerating. Now, what's 100 minus 12? 82? Wait, 78? No, what is it? I'm just terrible math, which is why uh, which is why Mandy Joe didn't hire me to work at the store. She let me do the podcast, but not actually work at this store. <laughs> Absolute delight. Thank you for all of this incredible information. In case you don't know the setup on the show, Mandy Joe is the expert. I am the curious consumer who finds all of this just absolutely fascinating. And the good news is doing the show with Mandy Joe has made me a stone cold advocate for the agricultural industry because as I often say I don't care who you vote for I don't care what kind of beer you do or don't drink at some point in the next week or so you're going to need to eat and without the farmers and ranches and the people like you and Mandy Joe that becomes a problem and I just want to thank you so very kindly for joining us on the it's better here podcast thank you for having me wow what a great job See, Mandy Joe, our studio audience is just sucking up now. They're hoping that Dr. Lucek sends them a box of those fresh cut steaks from West Texas. <laughs> <laughs> so transparent. That is just great. Hey, listen, you've been listening to the It's Better Here podcast. My name is Jason Dias. Her name is Mandy Joe. And until next month, you guys take care. And the good news is, we heard her talking about the drought. Seems like every single time we record a show, it rains the next day, doesn't it? Or, or within the next couple of days.
Yeah, I'm hoping we get some serious rain in the next week or two. So, yeah, sending up the prayers. All right, that's absolutely right. Keep uh, keep an eye out up in Canyon, Texas. You might just get some rain because we did the podcast today. Hey, thank you all so much, and we'll talk to you all very, very soon. I'm a little overweight and my long was way behind. But nothing bothers me tonight. I can dodge all the scales all right. Six days on the road and I'm gonna make it home tonight. My rig's a little old, but that don't mean she's slow. There's a flame from her stack and the smoke's pulling back as cold. My hometown's coming in sight. If you think I'm happy, alright. Six days.